Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. It's so good to be back today. Just extend thanks to Pastor Manny Rosario for being our guest last week. That was a good word, wasn't it? And uh, so thankful that he was with us from Convoy of Hope. I bring you greetings from uh, our pastor, Pastor Doug Clay, the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God. Ron and I had uh, the privilege of being a part of a a, a collection of meetings um, specifically for those who pastor some of the larger churches in our fellowship. And uh, one, it was just really special to be there. And two, they're smart enough to know that if you want the guy from Ohio to come, go somewhere warm in February. So uh, we had some, some days of vacation as well, just a really special time away, and uh, was, uh, was good to go, but good to be back. If you were with us last week, hopefully you got one of these missions magazines. If not, they're right outside all of the entrances to the auditoriums, and we encourage you to grab one of these today. This is a really cool tool that uh, we're introducing this year, because for as long as the church has existed, we've talked about giving to missions, but how do we kind of express why that's so important, where those resources go. So if you got one of these last week, you know that it's broken up based on the eight different regions that we look at in the world. And uh, with each one of those regions, when you give to missions, there's two things that are supported. It's people and it's projects. And there are 134 people, ministries or missionaries that we partner with so that they can do the ministry they do locally and all around the world. And then those resources also go to projects. And for each one of the regions of the world, we've designated almost, almost kind of budgeted, if you will, a project that we want to be a part of. So when you give to missions, that helps with those projects. So let me just give you a for instance. What we didn't know last week when Pastor Manny was here was that within 24 hours, there would be an earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Have you seen about this? The death toll is staggering. Yeah, I just, you can't wrap your brain around it. Well, Convoy of Hope is already there. They have resources on the ground. They're working there. And that's why we're so thankful for Convoy as a ministry partner. If you looked here, one of our goals this year was to be able to help support Convoy for about $40,000 over the course of this year, often connected to disasters and relief efforts. Well, because of your faithfulness in giving already this year, we're able to support the missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. And this week, we will be sending a check for $20,000 to Convoy of Hope to help move things forward in those relief efforts because of the giving that you're doing. So why, why do this? Well, for those of you that give to missions, We want you to see kind of more clearly how God is using those resources to impact people's lives. And if you're not yet, we we are giving you that magazine. I hope you'll just pray and say, God, how would you have me to partner and be a part of this? We've set kind of a a fun goal for this year, $435,000 that we will give to missions. I believe God's not only going to help us to meet it, I think we're going to break it. And uh, God's going to work through that. So would you just pray and ask God what you would have Uh, what he would have you to give. Uh, This is over and above that 10%, that tithe that we talk about. For some of you, it might be a one-time gift. For others of you, uh, some people give to missions monthly. Uh, Like for us, we're we're, we're paid bi-weekly, so we have kind of reoccurring giving that when we give our tithe, we also give an amount that God's put in our heart to give to missions and uh, just believe that God's gonna use those things and we're gonna continue to see lives changed as we look to and trust in him. Well, are you all settled into your seats? Would you stand with me, please? And uh, 
As you know, as we've been going through this series from Matthew chapter six, we've been, oh, you're fine. It'll just be a minute. If you're at home, would you stand with us too, please? And uh, that way they won't feel so bad. And uh, we've been praying through the Lord's Prayer together and uh, reading this, studying this, and uh, out of respect for God's word, uh, we're gonna stand, we're gonna read this together. Would you read, would you pray this prayer with me? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you know, we kind of, we started this back New Year's Day actually, kind of a little strategy for helping us to remember and, and think through how we focus during this prayer. So help me out here so I don't look silly. We start by we, we look and then we look and we look and we look. And that's how we've talked about and looked at this and seen. I had somebody walk up to me uh, after the, uh, just before the first service today. Her eyes were bright. And she said, I prayed and God answered my prayer. And I love it that we have a God who answers prayer. Amen? And so, Father, today we come to you in prayer. And God, I am convinced that there are people in this room, in Auditorium 2, who are watching online or by television or listening to the words of this podcast, who you want to use your word today to do something in their lives, God, that I believe you've wanted to do for a long time, and that because of your word, Lord, we know this and we believe it. It's alive and it's active. And your word today is gonna bring freedom and joy grace and peace to some of us today. You're going to break through some darkness in our lives today in a way like you never have before. And so, God, we give this service to you. Holy Spirit, our ears are open, our eyes are open, our spiritual hearts are ready. So would you speak to us today in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Hey, you can be seated if you, if you work uh, and do any kind of word processing or maybe you work with a spreadsheet, if you're familiar with some of those tools that you would use in, in uh, some kind of work on a computer, do you know what I, what I mean when I say control Z or command Z, maybe if you're a Mac user? Like that, that, it's the undo command. So when you push those two keys, whatever you just did, it undoes it. Has anybody ever wished you had a control Z for life? Right? If, you're, if you're watching this uh, later, today is the day of the Super Bowl and two teams that nobody here cares about. True? <laughs> right? For the most part. So I'm just in it to eat. Amen? And uh, that's, that's, that's my uh, touchdown today. And, uh, but what you're going to watch tonight if you watch the game is it's almost guaranteed at some point one of those quarterbacks is going to throw the ball and it's going to end up in the hands of the other team. And he would wish that he could look at the ref and go, can I, can I just control Z that? Can I, can I just undo that? Because there are things we do in life that sometimes immediately, sometimes later down the line, we go, oh, I wish I could undo that. Some of you, this is good to know, have made some of those blunders on Valentine's Day. This is code for men, in two days it's Valentine's Day. You're welcome. 
And there's some blunders that can be made. Like I, I read about a guy who decided he was going to propose to his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. So he got reservations at a really fancy restaurant. He went in advance and he said, look, I'm, I'm going to give you a signal at some point. And uh, we're going to splurge a little tonight. I want you to bring out two glasses of champagne. And I want you to put this engagement ring in the bottom of her glass. It was a wonderful plan. He didn't realize she was going to swig that glass right back. They ended up in the emergency room because she swallowed the engagement ring. You ever wanted an undo button? <laughs> Control Z. I just wish I could do something about what I did that I wish I hadn't done. And there is a line in the Lord's Prayer that we're going to focus on today. Just five words that we're going to look at. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, where Jesus encourages us. Right at the heart of this prayer, he says, and forgive us our debts. Now, we know the next part where it says, as we forgive our debtors. We'll, we'll get to that part next week, the part where sometimes you have to forgive me and I've got to forgive you and how that works out in our lives. But today we're going to look at this idea of the times when we need to ask God for his forgiveness. And uh, sometimes what helps us with teaching is to see how it's practically lived out. So I want to I wanna look at a story about forgiveness from the Gospels, from the life of Jesus, not just his teaching, but something where it's actually lived out. This is a story, you know, we have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and many of the stories overlap. So the story we'll look at today is in Matthew chapter 9. We'll get there later this year, and uh, when we get there, we're, we're going to look at it from a different perspective. But it's also in the Gospel of Mark. It's also in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at it from the Gospel of Mark today to help us to understand forgiveness. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. And as we read through this story, what I want to show you is four forgiveness facts, kind of four facts about forgiveness. If we're going to talk about it, if we're going to pray for it, things that are good for us to know. So we're going to look at four forgiveness facts today. Let's start Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And so they gathered in large numbers that, were, that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And Jesus preached the word to them, and some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. There's a lot going on in this story, isn't there? You got Jesus, he comes back to Capernaum, which is kind of their, their home base, and he's preaching. All these people come to a house to hear him preach. Like, like, have you ever really thought about this story? Like, I have a picture in my head from sitting in Sunday school, looking at a flannel graph back before we had electricity. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, we, we, you, I see the, like the cartoon picture. But imagine this. You've got this crowd of people. It's hot. They're packed together. They're cramming in this house. Jesus is teaching them. You've got his disciples there. You've got the crowd there. You've got some of the teachers of the law. We'll see in just a moment. These are kind of the bad guys in the story. They're there. You've got all of this going on. And these guys know that Jesus can heal. And they have a friend who's paralyzed. And they're like, we need to take our friend to Jesus. And they get there, and there's no way to get to Jesus. And they're like, look, we've got to find some way to do this. So they go up on the roof. I don't know about you. I don't want you on my roof. I don't want you putting a hole in my roof. Anybody? But they were desperate. And they make a hole in the roof, and they lower this guy down 
So he's there in front of Jesus. Can you imagine this moment? Like everybody knows why that guy's there. It's funny because the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, none of them explicitly state it, but you know why they lowered the guy down there because he's paralyzed and they know that Jesus can heal. And so because of their faith, because of his faith, they lower him down. He's down there in front of Jesus. And you can almost, if you picture this, you can feel the tension in the room because you got the teachers of the law going, what's he going to do? And you got the crowd going, what's he going to do? And the disciples going, how are we going to fix that? <laughs> and you've got these eyes up on the roof, and they're just watching to see what's going to happen. And you can almost collectively feel the whole room just <gasps> hold their breath. And Jesus looks, and he goes, son, your sins are forgiven. And I can almost picture one of the guys on the roof going, that's not what he's here for. He, he can't walk. Can you do something? About, we didn't make this hole for nothing. Can you do something about that? Right? Because it's very clear to everybody there that he's there for one reason, so that his legs will work again, so that he can move. He's paralyzed. They want him to be healed. And Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. It's not because Jesus was clueless. It's because he was more aware of what was going on than anybody else in that place. And he knew the first forgiveness fact. Here's number one. Forgiveness is our greatest need. The first forgiveness fact we're going to look at today is this. Forgiveness is our greatest need. More than anything else, more than anything you think you want or need in life, more than this guy being able to walk again, the greatest need we have is forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness is, is a basic human need. It, it's needed by all of us. This is why when Jesus prayed, look at this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. If we go back to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. We've got a period here, but the original Greek language especially has the word and that connects these thoughts together. So he says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. He's like, daily, I need to come to you and say, God, I need physical needs met and I need my spiritual needs met. Daily, I need you to take a look inside. God, I need to see if there's things that I've done that have displeased you, and I need your forgiveness. We need our debts to God forgiven, and we have them. We know that the Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew language, and it's translated for us. We know that the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, and that's translated for us. Many scholars believe, though, that what Jesus would have spoke every day kind of in and about as he was in the area of Galilee was probably Aramaic. That's probably the language that he spoke. And especially in the Aramaic language, there was a connection between when you would sin against someone and the idea that now you owed them a debt. So if I sin against you, then now there's a debt that I owe to you because I've got to make that sin right. And Jesus is saying that when you sin against God, there is a debt that you owe him, and it is a debt that you need forgiven. It's why he says in verse 12, and forgive us our debts, and it's good for us to know we owe a debt that we can never repay on our own. Like, you don't have the resource to fix it. We owe a debt that we can never repay on our own. If you've ever maybe purchased a vehicle or bought a home, and you had to, you had to get financing for it, then you know the idea of uh, they would check on your credit score. Do you know what I mean when I say credit score? Like the, the lender is going to look and they're going to want to know, and there's different agencies that mark this, like what kind of credit do you have? 
So somewhere probably between 300 and 850, those are kind of the numbers. The higher your score, the better. And it helps them to know, really, are you, gonna, are you good for it? Like, you're going to pay your bills on time. So they, they measure things like, do you make timely payments? And what kind of loans do you have? And how much do you owe? And they look at all these things when they look at your credit score. And the higher your credit score, not only the more likely that you will be extended more credit, but the idea is you'll probably get it at a better rate, better terms. It's a good thing. There are also times when a lender might look at your credit score and go, eh, no, we're not loaning you any more money. Does, it, does that make sense? Right, this is, this is key. Now, here's what I want you to understand. You owe God a debt. And when you stand before him and he looks at your credit score, the reality is if you don't have a perfect score, you can't stand before a holy God because God is holy. There is nothing unrighteous. There is no sin in him. So on our own, in the natural, you can't stand before God, not because he's mean, but because he's holy. And because he's holy, because he's righteous, because he is pure, you do not, I cannot stand before him because I have sinned. Raise your hand if you've never sinned. I just want to check real quick. Okay, good, because we were about to call you out. <laughs> what does Romans say? Romans says that there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans chapter 3 says that we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And God's not cruel. He's just holy. And there's some things that can't stand before him. And that's our sins. Ron and I were traveling the other day. We did the whole, you know, going through security thing as you're flying. And it, I, I was thinking back when they were pulling people aside and checking their luggage. Several years ago, I had the privilege to speak at a, at a camp that was in Montana, right at the base of Glacier National Park. Beautiful place. And, and got to go, took took our son Evan with me, and we had a great time. And while we were there, everybody kept talking about huckleberries. Have you ever heard of this? Like, I guess this is a unique place where, where they have these huckleberries that grow there certain times of the year. And then they have huckleberry pie and huckleberry ice cream and huckleberry uh, 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 milkshakes. I was blessed with all kinds of huckleberry things. And I asked somebody, I said, well, what's a huckleberry? They said a huckleberry is a blueberry with pizzazz. <laughs> all right. I like that. So we were getting ready to come home. We were like, we ought to, we ought to take some. We don't have huckleberries in Toledo. We ought to take some of these home. So we went, like tourists, and we bought jars of the huckleberry jam, your jelly preserves. You know what I mean? We had some of that stuff, and we got some for us, and we got some for some family. And, you know, we got several of these jars. And I'm like, boy, I don't, I don't want these things getting banged around or getting broken in the, in the, in the big suitcase. I'm going to put them in my carry-on. What I did not think about is I just put, like, pounds of liquid in my carry-on, and they do not like that at the airport. Didn't even think, didn't, never even crossed my mind. So I'm just, I'm just trying to be a good steward of my huckleberry that God blessed me with. And so I put, the, I put the thing on the belt, you know, and my suitcase is going through, and the, the man goes, uh, whose suitcase is this? I was like, that's mine, that's mine right there. He says, come over here with me. So I walk over to him, he opened it up, and he pulls out a jar, he goes, what's this? I says, that's, that's huckleberry jam. And he goes, well, I know what it is. He says, but you can't have that. And I says, well, it's, it's really just blueberry with pizzazz. I didn't really say that, but I thought it, you know. I didn't say it. And uh, I didn't want to go to prison. I didn't say it. So he's like, well, you can't have this. And I was like, well, I was like, well it's, it's, not, it's not bad. It's, it's never even been opened. It's just, it's, just, it's just jam. And he's like, well, it doesn't matter. You can't take it. I says, but it's, you can see what it is. He says, but you can't have it. He's like, because there's some things 
that I can't let you take with you on that plane because it's just not right. And so I had to go back and pay for a whole other suitcase to be shipped just so I could get a little pizzazz to Toledo, right? <laughs> but when you stand before God, there are things in your life, choices you've made, decisions, actions, thoughts, words, the list goes on and on. You made that choice in that moment, but because it's sin, it can't stand before a holy God. And so on our own, by ourselves, Romans again, chapter six, verse 23 says that the wages of sin is death. So if you and I are carrying that sin, then we are outside of the presence of God, which means that without forgiveness, we're lost. We're doomed to a life without God. When, when we, you know, we're working our way through the gospel of Matthew, when we get a little further, we're gonna have to do a deep dive a couple of times on the subject that Jesus is gonna teach when he talks about a place called hell, that there is a place far from God's presence, a place of uh, torment and separation from God for eternity. And the reason that Jesus has offered us forgiveness is because God doesn't want any of us to go there. Do Do you know why this is so important to us? why we talk about, preach about, and ask you to give to missions? Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, wouldn't know separation from God, but instead would have eternal life. And it all comes down to this. It's our greatest need. What we need is forgiveness. So when the guys on the roof and the guys in the room and the people all around see this dude lowered. They think Jesus is going to say, get up and walk. And instead, Jesus sees a greater need. And it's the same need he sees in you and me. And he says, you're forgiven. But that kind of sparked a firestorm. Look at this, Mark chapter two, verse six. Let's go back to the story. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there. These are, these are the Pharisees, the scribes. Oftentimes, they're, they're the bad guys in these stories, and for good reason. They're sitting there and thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And we're often pretty hard on these guys, and, and rightfully so, but I want you to see something, that there is a natural response that we have to this idea of forgiveness. And here's the second forgiveness fact. We have a tendency to question forgiveness, Oftentimes when we see it, when we experience it, we'll talk about this even more next week, we have a tendency to kind of question this idea. It's our human nature. We'll look at this again a little bit next week. Let me, let me give you some insight into what I mean. Two, two kind of questions we ask sometimes. One is this, can God really forgive me? Like I know I, I heard that in Sunday school and the, and the preacher said it and I get it. But the question is, and maybe we, we look at some of these words, the question is can God really forgive me? Like, I mean, I understand it. It makes for a good story. But looking at my life and the effects that it's had on me and my family, can God really make a difference and bring freedom? You you talk about peace. Can God really forgive me? And maybe even more of the question is, can God really forgive me? Like, I get it that that some of you are are a little more holy or righteous than some of the rest of us, and I get where God can just kind of maybe turn a blind eye to some of what you've done, but... (laughs) Can he do that for me? Can he really forgive me? 
And we have a tendency when we think about this, especially when we talk about things like hell, to think that God is like mean or nasty or he's got a grudge. Here's what scripture says, Psalm 103. Look at this picture. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Anybody glad for that? Or repay us according to our iniquities. Look at, look at this next picture. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. How, how far is that? Well, that's as far as you can go. Right? Because the east is, I'm not a compass right now. I'm just pointing. So don't anybody correct me. Actually, we're north. I, it's not what I'm doing. But if the east is all the way that way, and the west is all the way that way, and your sins are as far as the east is from the west. That's about as far as they can go. And he says, as far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our transgressions from us. It is a powerful image because God wants to convey a powerful truth that you can be forgiven. There, there's, a, there's a cool song, a band called Casting Crowns called East to West. It's an older song now, but has anybody ever heard that? Can I tell you, there have been moments in my life where the enemy has said to me, I can't believe you said that. I can't believe you did that. If people knew you thought that. And you start to have these moments where you wonder, can God really forgive me? And I've been thankful for the times that the Holy Spirit has brought that song to my memory that when we ask God for his forgiveness, we'll come to that in a moment, but he not only brings that forgiveness, but he takes our sins and he casts them away as far as the east is from the west. So if you ask, can God really forgive me? You better believe he can. For many people, though, that's not the forgiveness question that plagues them the most. I have had so many people over the years, and I'll just, I'll just be honest, recently multiple people who have said to me, but can I forgive myself? Like, I understand that God can forgive me, but can I forgive myself? Then if you've wrestled with those thoughts, it's pretty common because it's a trick the enemy wants to use because if he can keep you from living in the forgiveness that God wants to give to you, then he's held you back from everything God has for you. Does that make sense? So let me just answer this question for a moment. I, I want to park here for a little while and, and share a couple of thoughts. One of the things I want to encourage you with is we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. If you're asking, can I forgive myself? Maybe we need to take a new look at ourselves. Look at what scripture says to us. This, this is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him, who, and that's Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's good news that Jesus, who had no sin, took our sin, our stains, our mistakes, our shame. When he died on the cross, he who had no sin was made to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The, 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 the terminology we often use theologically is that my sin was imputed to Jesus. It went on to Jesus, and his righteousness was imputed to us who believe and ask for forgiveness. Let, let me, I, I want to show, show you something real quick here. Uh, sorry, I, I, I'll just show you this. Th this is straight from my kitchen closet, my official apron. And I wear this usually when I'm grilling, 
or cooking something in the smoker at home. I wear it for two reasons. One, I wear it to protect my clothes from whatever mess I might make. Mostly I wear it because it makes me feel like a bad man <laughs> when I put this thing on. And, and the reality is, on more than one occasion, especially if I'm doing something with some kind of sauce, we did a bunch of wings the last time all our kids were home. Man, you got stuff all over the place. I need this because there's going to be some stains and I want the apron, who has no stains in and of itself, to take on the stains that I create to keep me clean. And this is a beautiful picture of what God says, what Paul says here Jesus did for us, that he who had no sin, my apron has never sinned against me, to take that sin that I've created on, and oftentimes we like that picture of Jesus, and we're quick to say, I'm so thankful that Jesus took on my stains, my mistakes, my sin. Anybody thankful for that? But that's only half this verse. That's only half the gospel. He says, not only was he made sin for us, but that, he might, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we spend too much time going, Jesus took my sins, but I wonder if a little stain came through. We worry that somehow, and this is what we come back to, Jesus took the sins, but I, I still think I have a little stain here, and we focus on not forgiving ourselves instead of remembering that the reason Jesus took on our sins was so we could be clean before God. And we focus so much on the sins and those stains that we forget that before God, we are clean. And how he sees us is forgiven and pure. And so every time we forget that Jesus took those stains and we focus on our own selves, we forget and we minimize the work that Christ did for us on the cross. So let, let, me, let me break this down a little bit more. Look, look at what scripture says a little bit more. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Colossians chapter one, Verse 13 says, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Understand this, God doesn't just see that Jesus took your sins, he sees that Jesus made you clean. And so when you go, well, I know God could forgive me, but I just can't forgive myself, here's my question. Do you have higher standards than God? Like, I don't ask that to be snarky. But it might be a good thing to consider that every time I go back and beat myself up, I forget that he has forgiven me and I can forgive myself. Maybe even a deeper question there is, are you trying to earn your forgiveness? Because you can't. It's not by works of righteousness. We'll see this in just a few moments. It's because we believe by faith in his grace. That's where our forgiveness comes from, true? And let me just throw one other thought out. Maybe the question is, who are you really trying to seek forgiveness from? Like when you keep coming back over and over again that you can't forgive yourself, who, who are you really trying to seek forgiveness from? I, I heard an interview with Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, and he was expressing this thought. Here, here's an example, maybe good to consider. Let, let's say you get in an argument with your boss and you lose your temper and you end up saying and doing some things that were insubordinate, were unkind, you said words you wouldn't say in church, I hope, and uh, you lose your job. Not only do you get fired from your job, but let's say you work in a pretty close-knit, tight community that other people who might hire you are gonna hear 
how you treated the last boss, and it's a good chance you're not going to be hired in that same industry again because of what you did. So now you're out of work, and you're out of options, and you go to God, and you ask for his forgiveness. Is God going to forgive you? Yes or no? But you're going to have a hard time forgiving yourself because you're going to keep focusing on the fact that I think I've, I've lost my career. I think I've messed up my career. And those are good things to consider, but here's what happens. You have a hard time forgiving yourself because you're looking for forgiveness from your career and your career can't forgive you. Or you're looking for forgiveness from that relationship that you lost. And that relationship is not where you're going to find your forgiveness. What happens is oftentimes I'm looking for forgiveness from myself more than I am from God. And in that moment, I've made myself the God of my life. And I have to ask, what God am I trying to find forgiveness from? Is it my career? Is it a relationship? Is it myself? Because there is only one God who can forgive you. And it's through Jesus Christ. I stand over there during the... Uh, worships singing in the first service. And I turned around and I looked up at the folks that were in this room and I felt like God put in my heart, there are far too many people who are carrying things in their life that I never intended for them to carry. Before we left for our trip, I, I have a backpack that I take with me everywhere and I have a tendency to just put things in it and forget they're in there. Anybody else? So it's got four big pockets, it's got four small pockets, and before we left, I was like, there's stuff I don't need to take with us as we go, so I'm pulling stuff out, and I know what's in the two biggest pockets that I use all the time, but I got down to the smaller big pockets, smaller big pockets, that's such a thing? I got down to those, and I, oh, I didn't know that was in there. Well, no wonder it's so heavy, and I'm going through small, I had no, oh, that's old, I'm, ooh, okay, you know, and I'm going through, and when I was done, I put the backpack on, and it was so much lighter because I had spent so much time carrying things back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, that I did not need to carry. And some of you are carrying guilt and shame and weights from the past because, not because God hasn't forgiven you, but because you haven't forgiven you. Romans chapter eight, verse one says this. It tells us that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are feeling condemnation, now that's different than conviction. We'll get to conviction in a moment. But if you're feeling condemnation, then that is not from who? <laughs> who who's it not from? Yeah, it's not from him. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. And today's the day when God would say to some of you, I want you to stop carrying those things that you were never intended to carry and find forgiveness. So go back to Mark chapter two. You got the boys that are lowering their, their bro down through the roof. He gets down there and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. The, the teachers of the law are like, well, he, he can't do that. He's asking questions about forgiveness. And then watch what Jesus does. Mark chapter two, verse eight. Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And I, I really think that God wants you to know the same thing today. That you would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has the authority, he has the power, that he has the ability to forgive your sins. Here's the third forgiveness fact. Number three, it's real simple. Jesus forgives. 
Jesus forgives. It's, it's in his name, isn't it? Do you remember back in Matthew chapter one when the angel came and told Joseph about Mary having the baby? He said this, verse 21 of Matthew one, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. It's what he came to do. He came to give us forgiveness. It's what Jesus did for me when he died on the cross. It's what he did for you when he became the substitute for you when he died at Calvary. Here's what you need to know. Christ died for our sins. That debt that you owe, somebody had to pay it. And the only way for it to be paid, this was the sacrificial system of the Old Testament, was something had to die. Jesus Christ died once and for all for your sins and for mine. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we already read it, but it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Even more simple, 1 Corinthians 15, verse three, Paul says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. And so some of us go, look, I need that forgiveness. What do I do? The question is, how can I be forgiven? How can I be forgiven for what happened this week or for what happened Decades ago. How can I be forgiven? Well, scripture tells us this. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is, is not in us. Now, the good news is going to come in the next verse. But we need to talk about this verse first. Because if you want forgiveness, it has to start by recognizing that you need it. By confessing your sins, by saying, God, I know that I've sinned against you. Acknowledging that forgiveness begins with repentance. If you want to be forgiven, the place that it begins is with repentance. Boy, we don't like repentance. It's painful. It's looking inside and seeing the things that we don't like. And what's interesting is, and I would say probably in the last 50 to 70 years in our culture, we found ways to not have to worry about that because when there is a sin or a mistake or a problem or an issue or whatever you want to call it, we'll find ways to go, well, actually, that's a part of a disease or it was stress or it was a disorder. We, we find something. Now, oftentimes, that is a factor. I don't want to minimize the things that we often go through, but forgiveness begins with repentance, and sometimes we need to be willing to say that this isn't just a, a reason, it's not a rationalization, but that we have sinned before God. And sometimes in our culture, and in our own lives, we have to be willing to say sin is a sin. It may be an addiction. I don't want to minimize that. It may be an addiction, but it's still a sin. You may be stressed, but it's still a sin. Culture may say that anything goes with your sexuality, but anything outside of God's biblical definition for sexual activity and marriage, anything outside of that is a sin. We might like to say, hey, we've all got a right to choose, but approving the death of unborn babies is a sin. That second look, it was a sin. Those words that you spoke in frustration, I know you were frustrated, but they were a sin. When you made a decision when you were tired, it was still a sin. When you said, I've got my rights and I'm gonna speak my mind, that may have been true, but the way that you treated those people, that was still a sin. And you and I have to be willing. I know you may have been wronged, but that bitterness you hold on to, it's still a sin. 
Then we have to say, Holy Spirit, will you look inside of me and show me what's in me? And instead of just saying, well, but that happened, and this was the reason, and oh, I was under stress, and oh, I didn't. instead of doing all that, there's times where we just gotta go, God, I repent, and I need your forgiveness. If, if you walked into your house, I hope this never happens to, to, to me or you or anybody, if you walked into your house and all of a sudden there's water everywhere because you got a pipe that burst, you don't stand there and look at that pipe and just go, oh, I bet it was under a lot of stress. It's a shame that it broke. No, what are you going to do? You are going to run as fast as you can to the place where you can turn that water off to the whole house and you are going to get it fixed because the longer you, oh, it's going to destroy stuff. And the same thing's true with sin. We can't just look at sin in our lives and go, well, I mean, but. Because every time you do, its destructive nature just takes deeper roots inside of each one of us. So forgiveness begins with repentance. And then, and then watch the next verse here, 1 John 1, 9. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus is faithful to forgive you. And I'm so thankful for that. Can, can, we, can we run through this last thought here real quick? Are you, are you with me? If you're with me, blink twice. I can't see you. All right, Mark chapter 2. Here we go. So, so Jesus said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. So the man got up and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Realize that the miracle Jesus did was not about this miracle. It wasn't about a paralyzed guy dancing a jig. It was all about Jesus showing that he had power to forgive. And this is the fourth thing I want you to see. Forgiveness changes our lives. Forgiveness changes our lives. If we had the time, do you, do you know what I would unpack with you? I'd, I'd show you some things about how forgiveness changes our lives. First, I'd want you to know that forgiveness makes us right with God. We've looked at that, how Jesus paid our debt. You, you ever had uh, anybody surprise you? Maybe you're in a restaurant somewhere and you ask the, the server for the check and they're like, oh, that person on the other side picked that up for you. Anybody ever had that happen? <laughs> well, pray for it. Maybe it will. <laughs> Sound a little bitter about that. <laughs> when somebody pays your debt, it's a powerful thing. And Jesus makes us right with God because he paid our debt. If, if I had the time, I would, I would show you how forgiveness brings healing. The whole idea of healing coming to this man in this story came because it started with forgiveness. And if you are in need of healing, go read James chapter five and notice that James connects the idea of healing with our forgiveness. And sometimes the first step in finding any kind of personal, spiritual, emotional healing has to begin with forgiveness in our lives. If, if I had the time, I would, I would talk to you about how forgiveness brings amazement. Now, I'm speaking about myself here. M many of us have grown up in this thing. If we've been in the church for much of our lives, what begins to happen is we begin to take forgiveness for granted. And we forget what Jesus did for us. Pray like David did in Psalm 51, verse 12, when he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because when we stop and think about what Jesus did for us, forgiveness is a powerful thing. If you have lost joy, if you have lost wonder, if you have lost peace, maybe the first thing you need to do is go back and remember how forgiven you've been. Where I do want to talk to you about, though, for just a minute is that forgiveness brings salvation. If I had time, we, we, would, we would take time and we would read and we'd unpack Titus chapter three, verses three through eight. 
where Paul helps Titus to see the ways in which Jesus' death and resurrection changes everything for us, and he brings us salvation. And for many of us in this room, we, we know that. For many of us watching, we've experienced that. But can I just be real honest? There's far too many of us that have lived far too long in the darkness of either unconfessed and unrepented sins or things that we've held on to that what we need to do, not only on a daily basis, but in a big way today, is say, God, will you forgive me? In the nation of Bangladesh, in a port town called Chittagong, just last month there was a group of teenagers who decided to sneak into the port and play hide-and-go-seek. And there was one young man that found a perfect hiding place. And he went inside a, a big shipping container and he got inside of there and he curled up in a dark corner where it was warm and he fell asleep. And while he was sleeping in that port in Bangladesh, somebody came and closed it up and they loaded it onto a ship. And when he woke up, he was inside this locked shipping container on its way to Malaysia. Six days and 2,300 miles later, somebody opened that container, and inside he was alive, he was dehydrated, he was starving, he was going to be okay. Somebody came and opened that door, and the light broke through, and he was set free. And too many of you have been locked inside a container of your sin and your shame and your regret for far longer than God ever intended. And today's a day, whether it was something that happened last night or last year, or maybe in your mind it happened in a whole nother life, but today you need forgiveness. Do <laughs> you imagine being that little guy trapped in that metal box for six days? And you're sitting in there and somebody comes and he opens that door and the light shines through. Could you imagine him sitting in there and going, nah, I'm, I'm good, I'm just gonna hang for a couple more minutes. Some of you have been hiding and found yourself in a place that you never intended to be, locked up in unforgiven sin and far off course. And today God wants to bring you forgiveness. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? In this room, watching on a screen somewhere, your greatest need is forgiveness. You don't have to wait. Today you can find it. Team's gonna come in just a moment. We're gonna sing a real simple song. It says, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And my hope and prayer is that this will be a moment where something changes forever for you. Some of you in these next few moments may even cry tears of repentance. And some of you are gonna experience overwhelming emotion of a God who loves you so much that he brings you forgiveness. But as we sing this song, my prayer is that you will find the forgiveness that only he can bring. Some of us have sin that we need to repent of and some of us need help forgiving ourselves and some of us need freedom and we realize there's nowhere else we can find it. 
And today we simply just need to say, God, will you forgive me? If that's you, watching on a screen, listening to this in Auditorium 2 here, would you just real quick, just lift your hand and put it right back down. If you just say, God, today I need forgiveness. God, would you forgive me? Jesus says we should do this every day. <laughs> Anybody else? God, would you forgive me? Lord, we love you. Thanks for promises in your word that tell us that you bring us life and you bring us wholeness, you bring us freedom. So God, would you forgive us our debts? Only because of the shed blood of Jesus. Would you forgive us today? In Jesus' name, would you stand as we sing this song together? What can wash away my sins? Sing it out. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can? done just yet Lord for the one who's having a hard time forgiving themselves would you give them grace right now would you let them in a very real way sense your love maybe like never before and God some of us don't need this message as much today as we will Tuesday morning or Friday evening or sometime when the enemy or circumstances or even just our own brain begins to bring shame or condemnation. Lord, thank you that there is no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. May we live in the healing and the grace, the amazement and the salvation of your forgiveness. So Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.